Welcome to In Session, Conversations with University Counselors. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. In this series, we welcome a number of Queen's University alumni who serve on Queen's University Council. And from them, we learn much about their time as students at Queen's, their career paths after convocation, and what drives their motivations to serve the Queen's community as council members. Welcome and enjoy. Hello, everyone. I'm Dinah Jansen, and you are listening to In Session, Conversations with University Council Members. And today we are in the virtual studio with Principal and Vice Chancellor of Queen's University, Patrick Dean. Welcome, Patrick. Hi, Dinah. Good to be here. Welcome back to CFRC. It's always a pleasure to have you in the studio and on our airwaves, even virtually. (laughs) And Happy New Year to you. Thanks again. Um, so, so today, folks, we are talking with Patrick about Queen's University Council and uh, the work that it does in his role on it, as well as some of the work that he's been doing at Queen's University uh, as the principal and vice chancellor. And we'll have the opportunity to learn a little bit more, too, from the principal about his journey from being a student through being a faculty member to senior administration at a number of universities, including right here at Queen's. Again, I'm so excited to talk to you today, Patrick. It's always a pleasure. It's great to be here. So we are going to just jump right in. Patrick, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and some of the work that you do as principal and vice chancellor of Queen's University? Well, it's a fabulous job. You know, it's one of those plum jobs I I never expected to hold. And uh, uh, now I've been in the role about a year and a half, uh, having returned to Queen's uh, after nine years away. So, um, I mean, my principal task is is to lead the university, to provide uh, strategy and to pursue a strategy for the university and to make sure that Uh, we are able to provide for the students who come here the very best kind of educational experience uh, that's possible and to advance a research mission that's in keeping with a university of our standing. I mean, that is essentially the mission uh, and uh, take great pleasure in in doing that work. I mean, at the moment, uh, we are sort of coming out of the transition to new leadership. So this is the key time to be thinking about the goals, aims, and values of the university and what it is we hope to accomplish in the next 10 years. So it's a very exciting time at the moment. What's your favorite part of your job? Well, I'm a people person, although a sort of reclusive academic, but I really, it's it's the, the people side of this job I love, whether it's students or faculty members or staff members, it's it's working with people in pursuit of a really, really valuable mission. And there, I don't think there's a greater mission uh, uh, than the mission of a university, um, particularly one with our distinguished history and pedigree. And uh, that, that gives me a lot of pleasure. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, Patrick, student and alumni listeners, I'm sure, would really love to hear more about your career path. Can you share with us a little about your journey from student and graduate student all the way through a professor to senior administration at the University of Winnipeg, McMaster, and right here at Queen's. It's very, I mean, it's been a, a, an interesting trajectory, the lesson of which, uh, which I often share with students, is that you aren't always in control of your destiny. And in fact, part of, in my view, part of happiness and 
a sense of satisfaction in one's life comes from being open to opportunities when they present themselves. And uh, I, I mean, I can say it was never my intention to be a professor. My intention was to be a human rights lawyer. Uh, and that's what I was for my undergrad years. I, I was uh, um, on track to be a human rights lawyer in, in South Africa. And, and then by a complex chain of events, one of which took me out of the country, I, I found myself with kind of different interests and wound up doing a PhD in English. And then as a result of that, found myself teaching. And then while I was doing that work, I, I began to understand how important the institutions within which that teaching and learning occurs are, not just for the discipline, but for society at large. Uh, and it was that insight that made me become interested in playing a role administratively. And so I took on, you know, I, I fell sideways, as it were, into a department headship uh, and eventually um, took on some progressively more significant roles till uh, the presidency at McMaster and then uh, coming back to Queen's as principal. It's, it's been a fabulous ride, I have to say, uh, that I couldn't have predicted from at the start. Thank you for that. And, and it's great to see that, uh, as uh, we had talked about prior to the interview beginning today, that sometimes career paths start in one place, but then you end up in a completely different area. Thanks for sharing a little bit about your journey. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so now we'll get to the, uh, the crux of our discussion today. I'd like to hear more about University Council and the role of University Council in Queen's University governance, in your view, as well as the role that you play on University Council. Can you shed some light on this? Well, University Council at Queen's is, uh, uh, in the Canadian context, uh, a rather unique element of governance. So it's very common for universities to have what's called a bicameral system of governance, a Senate and a board. Uh, some universities are unicameral. So the University of Toronto has one governing council. Most universities have two, uh, we have three. Um, and this is, uh, I, this is a consequence of our history of, I think of our roots in, in uh, the University of Edinburgh. Uh, and um, it, it plays a, a most unusual role in the sense of being uh, not a deliberative body, doesn't make decisions about the university's future other than a few significant ones, such as who will be our chancellor. Um, it, it is a, a, a sort of a consultative advisory body for the most part, but a body that is comprised of alumni. Uh, and that makes it uh, particularly valuable. It makes it unusual for someone like me, since I'm not an alumnus, um, but I am a member of, of, of council. And so it's, that's a particular kind of honor to be part of that uh, alumni group. Uh, I suppose my role on council is, uh, is very much shaped by the normal expectations of the principal. So the principal chairs the, the executive of, of university council and uh, is I suppose a key player in turning the work of council into tangible effect in, in the university. So hearing the advice that comes from council, uh, going to council for uh, advice when that seems appropriate, all that sort of thing um, is, 
uh, I think, uh, an important function of the principle. It's, uh, it, it, it has a deeply enriching impact on the university as well, I would say. And alumni who choose to make a contribution to their alma mater through seeking election to the University Council make a very, very significant contribution that's greatly appreciated. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And now, can you tell us about some of the activities that you've been engaged in with your colleagues on University Council? Well, uh, it's interesting, this uh, past year, at least uh, the year and a half uh, since my arrival back at Queen's, uh, Council has been very much involved in thinking about its own future and the role it uh, will play in the life of the university. Obviously, you know, the Council sends members to the Board of Trustees. Um, it, as I said, uh, um, it uh, elects the, the Chancellor. Um, but the, the work that I found particularly rewarding with Council over the last little while is um, thinking about uh, future directions for the university, which is something a new principal wants to do and needs to do. And uh, it's, it's a task in which there's huge benefit from having a body like University Council uh, to consult with. So. Uh, I, when I first arrived, I launched the conversation to, to try and ascertain what our values and aspirations were. And I remember an early meeting that may have been my first uh, general meeting with council. We spoke about those things. And then more recently, at the, uh, a, a year later, at the more recent uh, meeting of council, uh, we spoke about my report on the year-long discussions with the university about where we should be going. So. Uh, those interactions with council, which bear upon our future as an institution, have been extremely helpful and enriching uh, uh, from my point of view. Okay, thank you so much. Now, if we can shift gears just ever so slightly, I'd like to talk a little bit about the uh, role of Queen's alumni on university council uh, as a way of giving back to Queen's. Patrick, I wonder in your view, why is volunteerism and giving back so important? Obviously, uh, a, a university is a, is a sort of a family. Um, and uh, it has current members who are at home, as it were. Um, and then there are uh, members of the family who have an investment in the institution, but they've moved on and built careers and so on. And I think the success of a university, the extent to which it can be a transformative place for the students who come here is closely related to the network uh, of which they find themselves a part when they're here. And I think Queen's through the council and through the alumni more generally is unusual in the Canadian context in having such an, an engaged alumni body. And that brings huge benefits to the students who are currently here. And it brings huge benefit to the university uh, itself uh, because uh, the alumni represent a resource uh, that sustains the university both in, uh, how shall I put it, in aspirational terms, but also in material terms uh, in, uh, in, the, in future years. So uh, critically important. And I, I suppose when I think about uh, alumni and why it's important for them to engage with the university. It's as a support for young people in the future as they come to the university and will derive benefit from attending here. Um, that's why one gives back, right? Having benefited from the place, 
uh, one gives not because mm-hmm. uh, there's a sense of ownership, but one gives back to the university uh, because of commitment to the well-being and the success of future students. Well said, thank you. Now, in your view, why should alumni consider running for a council seat this spring? Well, I think, you know, the university has uh, very good and active alumni chapters all over the place. And so it is possible as an alumnus to have a high degree of engagement with the university, but membership on council is a special kind of engagement. It's a much higher degree of engagement and it is, It's valuable in and for itself, but it's also important as a path towards more deep engagement with the university, let's say through seeking election to the board uh, as a a council trustee. Um, So uh, council is, I think, important for anybody who has that kind of continuing wish to be connected to the university and the time and energy to devote to that sort of higher degree of engagement, if I can put it that way. All right. Thank you very much, Patrick. Now, many of our listeners, as you know, are students here at Queen's University. And with recent announcements from the province, uh, another stay at home order, and looks like things are going to be still done remotely at the university for the time being. What advice do you have for students to really help them uh, get the most out of their university experience, especially the first year students who, who didn't uh, get that frosh week uh, yeah. experience that really uh, bonds them with other people uh, right from the get-go. How can they get the most out of their Queen's experience this year with remote learning still in effect? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's, this has been a very challenging time. And I think, you know, you're right to point to the, the situation of first-year students because upper-year students have had that, that in-person uh, experience of Queens for one or two or more years. And so the hiatus that this represents um, is, I, I would hope, somewhat easier to deal with than if you've come into the university and not known it in any other condition than, than in this sort of COVID lockdown mode. Um, it's very difficult to advise students other than to say, uh, patience is really important. Uh, the university's made every effort to make sure that what is offered educationally is the best that can be done in the circumstances. And I think um, uh, professors are themselves learning how to use these kinds of online platforms and so on to, to provide an experience that is uh, stimulating to the same degree, although it might be stimulating in different ways from in-person uh, classes. So everybody has been working hard to adapt to this, but um, I think everyone has to admit that there are challenges uh, with higher education in these kinds of circumstances. And it's it's helpful to recognize that and to try patiently to extract the best possible outcomes from, uh, yes, I mean, a, a, a suboptimal situation, not that the, the work being done isn't the optimal in terms of what people are able to deliver, but the situation is very difficult. My advice to first year students uh, is to remember that this is a temporary thing, uh, that the in-person experience, which is actually wonderful at this university, will be available to them. 
um, uh, sooner rather than later. And, and that's why the current experience is so difficult because we might have assumed we were on our way out of it and yet we still seem to be so mired in, in uh, COVID anxieties and concerns. So patience I think is important. Uh, a four year degree of study is a long time uh, and we will emerge from this and the benefits the generations of Queen's students have had from the in-person experience will be had by, by uh, current first year students. In the meantime, you know, they are learning along with our faculty how to cultivate um, their own aspirations and their own intellectual capacity uh, in circumstances that are completely unprecedented. Um, so that is, uh, yeah, I think counseling patients is an important part of what I would do and, and, and also recognizing that this is a temporary thing. Thank you. Thank you so much. And now getting back to our alumni listeners as well, staying connected with each other and the university also poses some challenges with COVID-19 uh, still very much uh, alive uh, around us. How can alumni also stay connected with each other uh, through the pandemic and beyond? Well, I think it's interesting. Um, uh, a point I'd make, which I perhaps might have made in connection with the students when you asked me that previous question is that we have discovered that these virtual platforms are remarkably effective at tying people together. So while on the one hand, you might say of the students, they are denied the in-person experience, they are part of the university learning a new way of making sure that we're all connected. Mm -hmm. And when I turn to think about alumni over the past eight months or so, I would, I'd say there've been some remarkable initiatives undertaken by, the, by alumni affairs, by various groups to actually bring our alumni together in creative ways. I mean, I was amazingly part of a virtual wine and cheese event mounted uh, for the Calgary alumni uh, just before the holidays. And uh, it, it is amazing how successful events like that uh, uh, have proven to be over the course of the year. So I think um, in some ways, uh, this is a great opportunity uh, for the university to develop ways of connecting to alumni that don't depend on physical travel, but are nevertheless very engaging. And we found, you know, the numbers of people registering for these events has been extraordinary because um, people will come to an event uh, if it requires, let's say a couple of hours commitment uh, to a virtual event, um, much more easily than they will if they have to get on a plane to come, for example. So I'm not, uh, I have no desire to see um, the displacing of those in-person things by virtual events. But on the other hand, our repertoire of, of possibilities for managing virtual connections around the globe with alumni, it's really taken a big step forward uh, because of COVID. And that's one of those sort of, silver linings, I think, of a very difficult situation. Nice way to end on a high note. Thank you so much. Folks, we have been chatting with the Principal and Vice Chancellor of Queen's University, Patrick Dean. Thank you very much for joining us, Patrick, in the virtual studio today. I look forward to in-person opportunities in the future. Thanks very much, Diane. It's been a pleasure to be here. 
everyone. Welcome to another episode of In Session, Conversations with University Counselors. I'm Dinah Jansen, and I'm in the virtual studio today with Sari Osada, all the way in the UK, a Queen's University alumna and member of University Council. Hi, Sari. Hi, Dinah. Thanks for your time. Thank you. So, folks, uh, before the interview, we've had uh, some technical difficulties on my end, but we are going to have a fantastic conversation today with Sari, all about University Council, her role therein, as well as the work that she has been doing in her own career and her time at Queen's and how she got from Queen's to where she is now. So, Sari, again, welcome. Before we jump into all things University Council. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career path all the way in the UK? Sure. Um, I grew up in Camwell, Alberta. It's a small mountain community just one hour away from Calgary. So I'm a proud Albertan. And I decided to do my undergrad at Queen's because, well, one obvious reason, I just wanted to get far from home. But two, Queen's is such a great university. And my interest has always been surrounded by the environments, both in a natural and human environment kind of sense. So following that passion, I decided to study environmental science as well as global development studies at Queen's, which then led me to realize I like school, so I'm going to do more <laughs> graduate work. So right now, I'm doing my Master's of Science in Environmental Change and Management at the School of Geography and the Environment at Oxford. And here, it's an intensive one-year program, just exactly what I was hoping for. And because I love reading, talking to various thinkers around what does it mean to be sustainable in this 21st century, I just love having intriguing conversations with others. <laughs> Thank you so much. So can you share a little bit about your time at Queen's University, maybe some fun memories that you have about when you were here? What were you studying? And can you tell us more about some of the uh, activities you may have been engaged in outside of your coursework? So I was at Queen's in 2014, starting off with a Bachelor of Science in Environmental Science. And I decided to do a minor in global development studies because I just loved having an interdisciplinary approach to analyzing you know, the biggest challenges across Earth. And that is just how to balance between humans and their surrounding environments. And at Queen's, I was able to do so many different student activities that involved um, some environmental activism. So I was a member of the Queen's Backing Action on Climate Change. I also loved giving back to the community through Rotary International and meeting different international students that come at Queen's. And probably one of my most memorable moments at Queen's involved traveling to Cuba through a global development course called Cuban Culture and Development. Mm -hmm. and that involved um, three months of studying around um, Cuban society, politics, music, culture in general and spending two weeks with a class of 20 students and two very dedicated professors. Fantastic. So some of our student listeners, I'm sure, would really love to learn more about your career path. Can you tell us a little more about how you got where you are now? It wasn't really a straightforward path, and I think that is natural for anybody who might not have a very straightforward plan or career goal in mind. And when I finished my undergrad, I decided to go back home 
back to Alberta and I worked for Parks Canada as a visitor attendant. And here I, I learned that not everything is all around learning from the book. I learned much around the environment by interacting with visitors that came across the country from abroad and just seeing how much people value our wonderful um, natural national parks in different ways. And I think from there, I decided, you know, I'd like to expand um, all these different perspectives that are out there that people are sharing with me, you know, at the visitor center, outside in hiking trails, and the backgrounds in which people's worldviews are shaped. So I guess long story short is that I decided I want to go back to school. I want to just give it a shot. And Oxford was just one of the places I wanted to go to because it is a collection of different thinkers. And I wanted to challenge myself with perspectives that I might not necessarily agree with. And that's how I ended up here. And mm -hmm. although I might not know where I want to go afterwards, one thing for sure is that I'm always really passionate about having um, conversations with other people who have different um, upbringings. Okay, great. Now let's shift gears a little. Uh, can you tell us about University Council and why you were inspired to join it? Yeah, applying for University Council was something I would say out of character. I'd never involved uh, myself in a very big commitment um, that deals with a very talented body of counselors, trustees, and of course, everybody who helps run the university. So my first reason, just being curious um, about just how the, the university runs, that was probably the biggest reason why. Another thing was that I'm a big believer in systems change. And one reason that um, I think systems change can happen organically is that the people who understand change also know the system that we're currently in as well. So I thought, well, being a part of university council is one way to see what the university system is like. And to my surprise, actually, um, there's so many initiatives and so many amazing um, contributors and just thinkers within the council and the broader faculty and staff members that's in discussion right now that's being um, debated and interrogated upon so many issues, all for the sake of making Queen's University a wonderful student experience. And at the end of the day, if I wanted to contribute, it was to be on, on council so that my voice can be heard, especially as one of the youngest members and as a visible minority, I thought this would be a great opportunity to contribute, if anything, my thoughts. Great, appreciate that. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the activities that you've engaged in so far? One of the earliest ones was called the Art Sci, I think, sorry, I have to read here, Art Science Student Outreach Team. So this happened last summer and it was a very important initiative back at the time because this is when the university decided to move their teaching online, which came to a shock to many students. And I understood their feelings because that's what happened to me going to Oxford. Even though I am physically here in the city, I still take most of my classes online and it's been a huge adjustment. So this initiative focused on really just reaching out to students as fellow counselors and checking in with them through 
um, phone calls, cold calling, <laughs> and just say, hey, um, I hope you're doing well. By the way, I'm a university counselor, but also a fellow Queen's um, student. It must be a tough time that you're going through now. And just asking them how they're doing, what they're looking forward to, and if anything, what counselors can help this process for a student who I'm sure wants to get the most out of the experience um, during a very difficult pandemic. So this initiative connected me with 20 other students one-on-one. -on -one. I was able to share one of the most um, wholesome conversations with some other students who were also virtually talking with me back in Alberta. And just to discuss around um, how to adapt to challenging situations and through these challenges, how we become stronger. So that was one of the most um, amazing experiences I've got out from council so far is the direct interaction with students. All right. And with that in mind, too, do you have any advice for students who are, of course, studying remotely this year? How best can they stay engaged with the university and as well as with each other? That's a great question. It's always difficult to stay engaged when we're not in the physical environment that we want to see in. But I find that one of the ways that's helped me is um, to not be hard on myself to realize that this is a tough year and to acknowledge that is one big step. The second thing is that people at Queen's faculty and staff members and alumni are so happy and eager to help. It's not easy to email somebody or to reach out, especially when you're you know, on the other side of the, you know, the country or different part of the province, but people, um, are there doing their roles because they really want to. And I think what's really important for students is to make that courageous leap, to shoot an email, to talk with friends that they might not have connected with recently and find a common ground. And one, one big common ground is that, hey, we're in a tough, tough spot. We're all working remotely. Mm -hmm. But here's another thing. There's a topic, there's a subject, there's an interesting issue and that I want to explore. Could you help me more? Could you send me reading lists of things I can do in my free time so that I don't always have to, let's say, work on calculus. <laughs> to be creative in the sense that not everything has to be so formalized and people are so reachable these days. Okay, amazing. So with alumni in mind, why should alumni run for positions on university council this spring? What do you think? Alumni should run for council if, even if they feel like they don't have a lot of experience to share, especially for someone like me, I'm an early careers woman. I think it's really important to realize that being a counselor is not always around giving the most insightful, intelligent recommendations, but it's also learning from others. And that's one of the biggest takeaways that I've gotten from this experience is that some of the different strategies that we've discussed around in improving student experience have come from different counselors who've had, let's say, decades of experience working, let's say, as an educator in a different province and how these different lessons can all be channeled back and make Queens a better place as it already is, has been quite rewarding. 
So I would say to fellow alumni, especially to those who recently graduated, do apply. It looks intimidating, but it is such a worthwhile adventure. It forced me to reconnect with all my Queens friends, asking them for their support. But they all understood that because they know that I want to get back to the university. And they also want a young voice there too. So I think it's important that especially young voices, people who might not have such privileged backgrounds to engage because if anything, having your voice out there is really important. Thank you so much. Very inspiring stuff. Now, have you anything else to add before we wrap it up? Um, I just wanted to say thank you to um, Queen's Council for giving me this opportunity to share a bit about my experiences and just even for the university to have such a structure in place because it fascinates me as a counselor for my first year to have the opportunity to engage with university matters even though I'm on the other side of the planet. And even though COVID has been challenging, in, a, in another way, going online has also helped us arrange monthly meetings, um, check-ins to always keep up to date with what the university is working on. So thank you for this opportunity um, to your radio station as well. And I look forward to the years ahead. Thank you so much. Folks, we've been, we've been chatting with Sari Osada all the way over in the UK, all about University Council, her time at Queen's, and her career path since her time at Queen's. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Hello, everyone. My name is Dinah Jansen, and you're listening to another session of In Session, Conversations with Queen's University Counselors. And today in the virtual studio, I am chatting with Queen's University alumnus and University Council member, Richard Baugh. Welcome to the virtual studio today, Richard. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. So tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe a little bit about your career path. Sure. Um, so I graduated the uh, Queen's MBA program in 2014. Um, after that, I, I pursued a career in real estate uh, development and finance. I worked at uh, a few different uh, real estate developers and investment managers. And I was also in uh, consulting at uh, Pricewaterhouse for a little bit. So tell us about your time at Queen's. You mentioned you did an MBA program uh, finishing in 2014. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your studies while you were here and maybe some of the activities that you were engaged in outside of your coursework? Sure. Uh, so I, I specialized in finance while I was at Queen's. Um, but I also, and it's funny, this actually drew me to the Queen's program in the first place was the opportunity mm -hmm. to get involved with the Queen's University Alternative Asset Fund, um, QAF, as well as the Tricolor Venture Fund. So um, both of those funds were, one was a, a student-run hedge fund, uh -huh. and the other was a, a student-run venture capital fund. And, you know, at the time, uh, I'm pretty sure Queen's was the only school, maybe even in North America, that offered these uh, opportunities. So, um, you know, a lot of my time outside of just regular studies was actually involved with those two organizations. Um, and yeah, I really didn't have much time for anything else while I was there. 
Okay. So what really attracted you to, to these particular organizations at the university and what drives your passion for finance in the first place? Um, so I would say, you know, after I graduated um, undergrad, I studied planning, city planning. Mm-hmm. And it was right around the same time as the recession. And I couldn't get a job actually in planning. Um, and the job, I did have one offer, but it was not something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so right after school, you know, I, I kind of lucked out in that I had an entry level job at a, a boutique investment bank downtown. downtown okay. And because of that, I was sort of in the environment with the right kinds of people. Um, I was able to build uh, strong relationships and, and really strong networks and more, more importantly, strong mentorship that really guided my career path because finance was not something I had originally um, considered. Uh, and being around, um, you know, just really impressive finance professionals really motivated me to pursue finance. And that's why I actually went to Queens was to, at the time I wanted to be either in real estate investment banking or uh, become a, a stock market trader. Fascinating. And students would love to learn more after graduation from your MBA program. What happened next? How did you get to be where you are now? Sure. So um, like I said, I didn't have a finance background um, and that's why I wanted access to that Queens um, Alternative Assets Fund and and Venture Fund just to pad my skill set and my resume and build out that finance experience. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, As I was about to graduate, um, you know, Queens is really great at having really good networking events um, for a lot of the major institutions, major banks, uh, big four finance, uh, big four consulting and accounting firms, and um, you know, I was sort of looking around and I thought to myself, okay, there are thousands of other MBA grads. Um, how do I compete? How do I stand out? And I really took an assessment of what's my background, what's my skill, what's my niche, and you know, uh, it was obvious that I had a real estate sort of um, perspective on, on or, or already sort of had a, a history in real estate that I decided to leverage uh, into my career. So instead of looking directly at, you know, basic investment banking, and, and also I just didn't like the idea of having uh, to, you know, run mining models for 12 to 15 hours a day. And back in the day, <laughs> a lot of bankers, you know, Canada was very focused on the energy sector back in, in those days and, and maybe still now. So the idea of looking at mining and energy models uh, for hours and hours and, and pulling my hair out, I, I, it just didn't appeal to me, but I always loved real estate. So I, I started looking around at different real estate development firms and, and funds that I could potentially join. Mm-hmm. I, I actually managed to get a uh, position with uh, Minto's head office up in Ottawa, Minto Group. Yes. And uh, I moved up to Ottawa for about a year. Um, so that was, that was really the start to my career. I was very fortunate. I had some really great, um, managers who taught me the business. Um, and I really owe my entire trajectory really to that, uh, that beginning, that opportunity, uh, set everything in motion. Um, amazing. Thank you so much for sharing so much with us. So let's hear a little bit more about uh, University Council and your role on it. But first, what inspired you to run for election for a council seat in the first place? Sure. So I ran for a seat. Uh, I think I think there was an image or something was circulated that showed the existing council members. 
Ironically, it actually did not show the entire council because there are people of color on the council. But I think the image I saw um, was very uh, homogenous. And I, I just saw that there was no one on there that really reflected myself. And, uh, you know, as a, a younger, relatively young uh, uh, black man, I and, and from a, the MBA program versus one of the social sciences or engineering or law, I, I just wanted um, to bring sort of a more unique perspective mm -hmm. um, that was maybe grounded in a, a more quantitative uh, background in terms of, you know, some of the advice and some of the, the information that I could add to the, to the table, bring to the table. So when the opportunity came along to join the, or run for election, um, that's exactly what I did. I, I ran and I made it clear that I wanted to add um, my type of perspective to the council. Okay. Yeah, and, and that's really the motivation. And, and part of that too was that um, in my MBA program, I was the only black person uh, in, in the program, right? Wow, how, among how many students? Uh, there are about 65 uh, in my graduating class of the full-time MBA. Wow, okay. And, um, so when, when you graduate from the business school, I'm not sure if they still do it, but they used to run full-page ads of all the graduates across all of the um, business master's programs uh, in the financial post. So, you know, after I graduated, I happened to find that um, image and it showed everyone's photos. And when I looked at it, there were, you know, barely any black, you know, students. Um, and it was shocking. There are, I think, over 360 uh, graduates, and I could count on one hand, probably, you know, how many people looked like myself. So for me, and, and just given the, the sort of environment that we're in, uh, particularly earlier in the summer, where people are more aware of, you know, the importance of inclusivity and diversity, I mm -hmm. felt that um, one, one step that I could contribute to increasing that diversity at the school was to be uh, a part of the university council and a part of that sort of governing uh, body of the school. Thank you so much. So since you've been a part of university council uh, following your election, what kinds of activities have you been engaged in? Uh, so, so far, uh, I would say the major items that I, I had uh, input in uh, was actually, um, I guess there was a commission put together to see whether or not they should change the name of the law school mm. uh, from Sir John A. Macdonald. So I had my input on there. Um, again, I, I put in a, a perspective. Um, there was a lot of controversy around um, Sir John A.'s name that I didn't even realize un until it came out that you know the, the school had been petitioned to change the name. Um, so I contributed my perspective, although um, I may not be a part of the major group that was affected by his actions in, in, in that time, I can definitely sympathize with, with uh, the plight of others. Mm -hmm. um, and I also participated in a, a rebranding effort for the school's marketing and branding initiatives. Um, I would say there are other initiatives as well, but I would say those two are probably the, the two that stick out in my mind right now. Okay. And in your view, why is it so important to give back to Queen's University? You know, I, I kind of alluded to my career earlier, um, and I, I have to, I should probably expand on that. So I graduated, I, I worked for one of the top, um, or definitely the top real estate developer in Ottawa, 
And then since then, I, I've worked for, you know, some of the most prestigious developers uh, in the city and then consulting. And then, uh, you know, now I'm an uh, assistant vice president uh, for another uh, Canada-wide um, real estate firm. Um, and, and my career trajectory has just been incredible since graduating from Queens. And I can honestly say that having that Queens MBA, having that Queens brand behind me has definitely contributed to that, uh, that success. Um, when I graduated the position, I started out as an analyst and every single person, I remember distinctly, um, every email I sent, whether it was internal or externally, had an MBA next to their name. So having the MBA was, was pretty much a bare minimum for the field that I'm in, but having a Queens MBA really uh, pushed it to the next level. When I went to interviews, it wasn't about, you know, whether or not I had the financial uh, knowledge or, or the academic knowledge to actually do the job. It was more so about fit. And I think that, you know, I was very fortunate to be able to attend uh, such a prestigious program and a prestigious school as Queens. And I want to give back because I've definitely uh, benefited from having that branding associated with myself. And I want to make sure that um, the school benefits, uh, you know, it's that it's, it's, it goes both ways, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to hear from you, Richard, maybe your thoughts about how students this year might be able to get the most out of their Queen's experience, given that, well, they're all doing remote learning and they will be right until the end of the academic year. And we're not sure what's happening with the 2021-22 calendar yet. How do you think they can get the most out of their Queen's experience this year? What are your thoughts? Um, you know, I would say leverage the power of the normalization of video chats. Um, one of the disadvantages of being in a school that's outside of the GTA was the fact that when you're in Kingston, it's hard to uh, have interviews and, and coffees with potential employers. Mm-hmm. I think now, uh, you know, there's a lot of negative happening, but I think Queens students right now should take advantage of the fact that uh, video chat software like Zoom has sort of been normalized and executives and, and everyone pretty much has, has become norm, uh, accustomed to that sort of meeting. So they won't shy away from a request from a student now to hop on a Zoom call for a quick, you know, 10, 15 minute uh, chat uh, so for some career advice. So I'd say leverage that, uh, that technology advantage. Okay, great advice. And uh, what advice might you have for fellow alumni to stay connected with each other, let alone their alma mater? Um, you know, I would say, uh, think about how you felt when you were at, at school and, and think about the next generation and, and how they might feel. I know, you know, like I said, I, as the only black student in uh, my program, I faced a lot of challenges specifically because of that. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot, you know, I, I've spoken to a lot of the other black alumni and, and they, a lot are, are um, not as in optimistic about giving back to the school because they didn't feel like the school really supported them. Um, so I would say, you know, I've, I've been involved with mentoring uh, some of the students there. I've been back to speak on panels. I was keynote speaker for one of the alumni chapters. And I would really say, you know, think about where you were and, and how much of a help that would have been to see someone like yourself, uh, whether, you know, whatever ethnicity you are, whatever group that you belong to, um, you know, there's always some insight that can be gleaned from your experience. Uh, and yeah, it's always good to give back. 
Great. And now with university council still in mind, uh, knowing that uh, nominations are coming up for election to university council and thinking of your own experiences, why should other alumni consider uh, running for a spot on university council? Um, I think we're in a time of a lot of maybe social unrest and, and change. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the day, I find that a lot of people like to talk and a lot of people like to complain, but not a lot of people like to actually mobilize and stand up and take action for the change that they want to see. Um, and I think, you know, if you have a criticism of the university, uh, why not stand up and put your hand up to actually contribute to, to improving whatever it is that you, you feel is a problem. Um, so that's definitely why I would uh, encourage others to run for a council seat and to also seek out um, people who are running and, and support them, right? Um, you know, the school can only improve based on um, input from people who sit on these types of bodies. And, you know, like I, I said before, it doesn't, no one benefits from, from someone sitting, you know, by themselves and in, in, in their own little silo complaining. Uh, the change that you want to see, you have to go out and make it happen. And this is a great way to, to get that done. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Anything else to add before we close our spot today, Richard? Um, not really. I can't really think of anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've said it all. Thank you so much. We, folks, we've been chatting with Richard Baugh, Queen's University alumnus and member of University Council, all about his career, his time at Queen's in the MBA program, and uh, his time with University Council and his motivations for doing so. Richard, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.